Hello, I'm Justin Wheeler, and welcome to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. As we wind down the year and prepare to head into 2023, we wanted to set you up for fundraising success with a roundup of the top trends that are expected to impact the peer-to-peer fundraising landscape in the new year. And if you know anything about our guest for this episode, you'll agree that she is the perfect person to help us forecast P2P nonprofit fundraising trends because she has touched nearly every level of peer-to-peer fundraising, from door knocking for donations as a college student to serving as a senior development officer for the Clinton Foundation. Shannon Scanlon is a powerful leader in fostering generosity through communications, outreach, and forward-thinking solutions. She currently serves as the senior project manager for Springboard by Jackson River. In this episode, I sit down with Shannon to discuss why peer-to-peer is an underutilized nonprofit fundraising tactic and how Springboard is moving the peer-to-peer needle with Fundraise toward the future. Make sure you stay until the end to hear about Fundraise's exciting new partnership with Springboard. And later in the episode, you'll get a bonus interview from the Nonprofit Innovation and Optimization Summit with Brady Josephson, Marketing and Growth Lead at Charity Water. Let's dive in. It is your number one priority to ensure that your business can continue to deliver on its mission, whether it's this year, next year, and beyond. So we're creating this inclusive environment, building between diverse communities to ensure that our young people can thrive. I'm always so baffled when I when I do webinars. There's always somebody at the end who raises their hand and says, I'm the development director. Should I have access to the budget? I'm always like, yes, you've got to know that. The best thing you can ever do as a nonprofit leader is spend as much money as possible on your story. Then you're doing it wrong. Okay. That is unacceptable and that is not the way to run a board. The best thing that we can do is just raise as much money as possible and then give it to the people around the world. If you're going to be sustainable, you have to have a multi-channel strategy to reach all of these different generations of donors however they want to be reached. One of the principal values that we carry as an organization is to lift grace over guilt. And we believe that grace is the greatest agent for change that anyone can ever experience. We all need each other in terms of other nonprofits working together to solve things. The more nonprofits can give their donor base that experience of the impact that's being made on the ground level, there's nothing else you have to give someone. This is Nonstop Nonprofit. Hey listeners, welcome back to Nonstop Nonprofit. Very excited for today's guest with us. Today is Shannon. Shannon, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's kind of chilly up here in New Jersey, but it's not too bad. I can only imagine, uh, compare, especially compared to Southern California. <laughs> sounds nice. So very excited to kind of jump in and talk about an exciting new partnership between Springboard and Fundraise. But before we before we do that and, and talk uh, a little bit more in detail about peer-to-peer fundraising, I'd love it if you could just provide a little background to our listeners about yourself, your background, and uh, what you do with Springboard. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I always knew that I wanted to work to make the world a better place. I moved around a lot as a kid and, you know, that gave me a really unique perspective in seeing that, you know, not everyone had the same opportunities based on where they live and who they were. And so, 
you know, in college and kind of starting out in my career, I just, you know, wanted to do what I could to make the world a more equitable place. But specifically kind of starting out in fundraising, it was actually one of those flyers that I saw on college campus that says work to save the environment and ended up knocking on doors um, in the summer in Washington, D.C., raising money for an environmental organization. It was by far the hardest job that I've ever had in my life. Not only because, you know, it's a summer in Washington, D.C., but asking for money is hard, especially as as an introvert. But I think it kind of I don't know, I think it's at the stage, you know, for the next 20 years um, in my career and just really enjoying talking to people about causes that I'm really passionate about and getting them excited about it, too. You know, from there, you know, I went on to do some political fundraising um, and organizing and ended up, you know, in the mid 2000s working for an organization that was doing digital fundraising and advocacy for nonprofits. And so this was really kind of this was that, yeah, after like the Dean campaign that really saw, you know, the growth of digital fundraising and nonprofits were really looking to like, how can we capitalize on, on email and, you know, Facebook was just out and just kind of doing Mm. invites at that time. And since then, I've been, you know, working with nonprofits, both, you know, on the consulting side, as well as as clients and have been really honored to work for some tremendous organizations like the ACLU, the Clinton Foundation, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, in helping them really use the digital space and platforms, seeing what is what is out there, what's coming out, what works for their audiences to, you know, grow their supporter base and raise money and obviously ultimately further their mission to, you know, make the world a better place. And about six years ago, I joined uh, Jackson River, which is the builder of the springboard platform, which we'll talk a, a little bit about because they... I wanted to continue helping other nonprofits, you know, like find the right tools and implement the right systems to be able to to use this space in a way that works best for them. And the the Springboard fundraising advocacy engagement platform is just a really tremendous tool. And I knew the people that had founded the organization. I'd worked with them in the past. And one of the founders was actually one of my first bosses in like 2006. Wow. So I've kind of been in the, the small world for a while and, you know, just really look to helping more organizations find the right tools. You know, at both the ACLU, the Clinton Foundation and the Metropolitan Museum of Art, I'd gone through a number of projects in which we were tasked to find something better because our tools weren't working. Like we weren't able to communicate with the right supporters. We weren't, you know, asking for the right amounts. Uh, We weren't growing our lists. We weren't able to do some of, you know, the fun and innovative campaigns that we were seeing others doing. And there were a lot of, uh, you know, mistakes learned or mistakes Mm -hmm. made and lessons learned, you know, during those processes of like finding email tools, finding new fundraising tools, finding new advocacy tools. And so I was kind of excited to be able to bring a lot of those experiences and lessons learned to help other organizations, you know, with those decisions, as well as implementing those tools. You know, it's a huge project, you know, it's, more than just build it and they will come. It really requires, you know, the entire organization to adjust their thinking and adjust 
you know, their approach to marketing and fundraising, you know, back end staff and, you know, front end and all of that. So, you know, it's, it's been really a, a pleasure and an honor to be able to, to work with the, the clients that Springboard supports. And, you know, especially, as you mentioned, this recent partnership with um, fundraise in expanding our peer to peer offering. So beyond some of the fundraising um, tools and tactics that Springboard offers, including like a very robust, uh, you know, fundraising or sustainer fundraising offering and tools, integrations with CRMs, advocacy, both, you know, federal, state and local level, you know, peer to peer is kind of where we see a lot of growth and a lot of potential to help organizations, you know, including existing clients or new clients, you know, as this kind of digital world grows. And also, you know, it's it's not just online. It's, you know, when you're looking, especially at peer-to-peer, offline events, um, races, kind of virtual events, all of that is all becoming more integrated. Absolutely. You know, it sounds like your your career kind of spans the like pre-digital adoption of, of fundraising. And then, you know, as as you progress in your career, you started to see, you know, uh, more, more giving come online. Just kind of curious, like, as you look back on your career and as you look forward on where fundraising is going, what are some of like the key changes that you've seen that have made a very positive impact on the overall phil- philanthropic community? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in the kind of mid 2000s, email was king. And it's been kind of interesting to see a little bit of, you know, the progression from email, using social media, uh, text messaging, like all of the digital channels out there. And then I'm seeing more and more newsletters and blogs come back, which, you know, I remember from, you know, 2007, that that was really being king. And it's, I think also learning that digital is, is a tool. It's not just like an end. You know, it's a way to communicate and kind of seeing the progression of, you know, that there's only unique ways to fundraise digitally, but it's really, it's part of like a holistic way to communicate and market with organizations. So it used to be very siloed. I think the the mm-hmm. digital fundraising and advocacy that you know you had your own little department and you just sent out emails. Yeah. But what I've really seen grown is that it's and someone likened it. I remember that you know organizations used to have like electricity departments, and you know that now it's just it's a part of communicating. It's a part yeah. of fundraising, and it's a part of marketing. And it's just one of the the many channels and you know ways to connect with uh, supporters out there. You know, so when we're looking at marketing and fundraising campaigns, it is it's you know looking at physical advertisements. It's looking at you know phone campaigns. It's looking at direct mail campaigns you know, social SMS, advertising, kind of all of that is is built in, you know, particularly in this direct marketing world. It's just, it's a part of it. And, you know, digital describes, you know, a lot of different aspects of that. Yeah. So I think it's better to really look at it holistically, but there are, 
you know, specific tools uh, that are part of that entire ecosystem. Though we are seeing, you know, more and more integrations of that, you know, particularly as organizations are trying to get hold of or understanding their data, you know, as these, you know, they're getting different sources, you know, from direct mail, from phone, you know, advertising, like how do you really connect all of that? And so we're seeing some of the tools and Springboard's actually really great at that. And, you know, we have phone call centers that are actually inputting donations into Springboard, which then goes into the CRM, you know, so that's also collecting donations that are coming from ads that are coming from emails that are coming from social. So awesome. No, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on obviously like we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about peer-to-peer fundraising and for for those listening and and wondering what is peer-to-peer fundraising simply it's it's an opportunity or a way to activate your supporters to get involved and allow them to fundraise on your behalf most of your supporters are likely uh, have friends and family members that would be happy to contribute uh, to the causes that you care about and so peer-to-peer fundraising gives your supporters a way and a tool to actually reach out and raise funds. About six months ago, Fundraise and Jackson River Springboard started talking about a partnership. So could you maybe share a little bit uh, more why peer-to-peer fundraising was and is an important aspect of or important feature that you'd like to offer uh, your customer base today? Yeah, I mean, peer-to-peer, um, you know, as you're talking of just like asking friends and family to raise money on behalf of organizations that you care about, you know, has always kind of been part of philanthropy, whether it's, you know, selling chocolate bars at school or, you know, inviting friends to an event. And, you know, as, you know, we're looking at these tools as part of the bigger philanthropy and fundraising ecosystem, we know how important it is to be able to reach supporters and potential supporters where they're at. And they're on Facebook, you know, doing Facebook fundraisers around their birthday for causes that they care about. They're training for marathons and raising money for causes that they care about. Like this, this is happening. And it's a huge opportunity for nonprofits to find supporters where they're already at and where they're willing to raise money. And it's a really great opportunity to you know, build momentum and community and campaigns, you know, for new time-based events, you know, giving days for events, you know, around, you know, unfortunately, like if there's disasters, you know, people want to help. And, you know, by not kind of providing the the avenue or the channel to to do that organizations are missing opportunities to reach reach more people ultimately right. not just in fundraising but in able to you know raise money to help more people absolutely yeah you know I th- uh, speaking to like the community aspect of it we had uh, we have a customer they're called thorn and they just did a, a pretty big peer-to-peer campaign around the New York Marathon. And and it was in partnership with Peloton, actually. And it was, it was really cool. They ran it on Fundraise. And Ashton Kutcher was actually the kind of like the figurehead of, of the campaign. And basically, like it was like a month leading up to the New York Marathon, which was just a couple weeks ago. Basically, like he was training with Peloton instructors and, and then would also bring in another celebrity and just really created this like really kind of cool, fun environment and community to bring people in. And like the whole kind of like theme of like the conversations were like, what's your why? Like, what do you care about? What's important to you? And then they ran the marathon, of course, and they raised over a million dollars in like 30 days. 
And it was all done, you know, through through peer to peer fundraising. And so when you said something on along the lines of it's a great way to kind of inspire the community and to build community, you know, that's that's what peer to peer does at its finest is it gives it builds the community and it also gives the community something to rally behind and support. And so I'm curious what as you look towards 23, how do you see peer to peer playing a role in a potentially downturned economy going into a, a potential recession? How do you look at peer to peer fundraising and, and through that lens? Yeah, I mean, it is a way to diversify fundraising. And, you know, actually going back to to your example that, you know, around the New York City Marathon, I've spoken to a couple nonprofits recently who are, you know, looking to 2023 to build those communities around giving days that they have. And they have supporters uh, for their organizations that are tremendously invested. You know, these are often like chapter organizations. And so they have local communities, you know, so they know people that they would be fundraising with. And one of the reasons that they're really excited about peer to peer is because it offers them a place to to build that community and to really kind of you know support and encourage and empower supporters where they're at you know whereas it was always kind of it's a little disjointed in you know each uh, chapter kind of raising money and then being able to showcase that using a platform you know with springboard and fundraise you know it allows the community kind of across the country in all of those chapters, you know, to see what everyone else is doing and to Mm. be able to hear those stories, you know, of why it's this organization is important to them, you know, how is it meaningful? And so you can see it, you know, not only within your community and your chapter, you can see it kind of across the country and how that's really building towards something that's incredibly impactful, you know, when you're looking not only at the dollars raised, but then organizationally, like how that organization is using, using the money to, um, you know, actually impact real people and, and help others. So I've heard that a couple of times, just in talking with organizations towards towards the end of this year. And so looking to expand on those giving day opportunities, you know, to bring it, you know, online and engage people where they're at. And then just to have more visibility kind of across um, chapters, um, I think folks are tremendously excited about. Absolutely. Don't go away. When our episode returns, Shannon and I discuss misconceptions about peer-to-peer fundraising to talk about why donors really give to nonprofits. Stay tuned. And now, enjoy this segment sponsored by Fundraise, the world's most innovative and friendly nonprofit fundraising platform. Nonstop Nonprofit recently took our podcast on the road to Next After's 2022 NIO Summit in Kansas City. At the conference, I had a chance to catch up with Brady Josephson, marketing and growth lead at Charity Water. Listen in as Brady shares his experiences on the front lines of nonprofit fundraising and shares his take on how economic trends impact fundraising. Brady, thanks so much for stopping by the podcast. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. How's the conference so far? It's great. You know, yeah. it's one of the first times I've been able to actually sit in the auditorium and listen, and it's uh, it's a fun experience. Yeah, and not have to stress <laughs> about the uh, logistics and the presentations. Yeah, it's, and, and it's so great. It's That's great. awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. So uh, you're at Charity Water now. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what your role looks like uh, at Charity Water today, what, what you're in, in charge of. Yeah, so I help lead the marketing and growth team, and so we do a lot of classic marketing functions, driving traffic, generating leads, 
And then we're real specific in shaping the role and team to be inclusive of growth. So it's not just, hey, we generate some leads or we got some new donors, but we're responsible for the full funnel of donors who give $1,000 and less with an emphasis on our monthly giving program. So acquire, retain, and upgrade or monetize. Okay. Our team is responsible with other teams, our product team and things like that. But our team focuses exclusively on how do we get and grow mass or consumer donors. Okay. Yeah. How does retention look like for you guys compared to like national average? Are you, are you, guys, are you guys beating national average? Are you uh, victim to the national average? It, it depends. In aggregate, we're probably actually slightly below okay. uh, national average, but huge caveats abound. I was just talking to someone how difficult it is to get accurate benchmarks for an organization like us, but also just a larger, more digital-centric sustainer program. A lot of the benchmarks in sustainer recurring is like face-to-face -face or telephone. Yeah. There's very, very few programs that I know of in the U.S. that are paid, paid media, paid digital driven and digital only yeah. like we are. And so it's, it's really difficult to find averages. And then our donor pool skews way younger than most programs. Yeah. Our, our, our average donors around 35 to 40 as opposed to more like 55, 60. Yeah. They give on their credit card, they use mobile payments. So all those things drag down your average. Yeah. So yeah, we're lower than the national average, but we're very different yeah. than the national average. So it's yeah. one of the flaws of, of benchmarks. Okay, you know? okay. Yeah. And so how has how the transition been from you know, being at an agency like Next After to being now like on the front lines of, of fundraising? It's been great. It's been a big challenge too. And, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to, to switch back is as a consultant, or I was even not even doing that much consulting, it was research and teaching and things like that, is you just get to tell people like, hey, you should do this thing, but like, you're on your own, you know, whether yeah. you do it or not. And, and even consulting, you're always a little bit arm's length. You can only do so much, you can only go so deep. But if you believe, like I do, that things like retention or things like testing and optimization are more fabrics of culture, not just strategy, it's really difficult as an outsider to help change and shape culture, unless that's like what you do. You're like a consultant for culture or something like that. Yeah. So the real fun thing is like building this team and, and trying to weave in more testing. We were doing testing before, but making that more of a priority or thinking, you know, how do we imbue this sense of retention is so paramount and, you know, so many of those things existed, but that's the real fun part of like you, it's really messy yeah uh, consulting sometimes a little cleaner like you hire us to produce X results we tell you to do Y and Z happens yeah working in a nonprofit is way more fluid and messy but there's also like a beauty and a fun in that yeah yeah interesting so you know I mean, a lot of people look at cherry water already as sort of like you know the digital maven of, of, of fundraising and just you know overall like kind of like the pinnacle of like what they strive to be as they look to grow themselves. So going into an organization like Charity Water, like, you know, you, you get thrown into really like the kitchen, right? You're like, you, you see how the sausage is made, uh -huh. you see the underbelly. Uh, was, was there a lot of work to be done when you, when you came in? Uh, and or were you just adding on to like a lot of the great work that's already being done? Yeah, way more of the, the latter. Like I think so many of the things that Charity Water, one of the great things that Charity Water has done is say what's really, really important and then they do that unbelievably well. We do that unbelievably well. And there's a lot of little things that are like kind of important. They don't spend as much time worrying about those kind of things. And I think that served the organization really, really well. So some of the things that were maybe, maybe not quite to the same level, like you look at the brand and the experience and the care and the messaging and the design and the beauty, some of the data analytics are probably not at the same you yeah. know, kind of level as that. And you think of some of like the CRM or some of the automation or some of the nuances uh, were probably not quite there, but is a good example to me who's kind of 
will gravitate towards those things of saying those are important, but they won't actually make or break your whole org. Yeah. Like if you don't have the right automated trigger email that goes out on this day to this person because it's their birthday, you'll still survive. Yeah. If you don't have a great brand with a great value proposition that people can easily understand and want to give to and get behind, you're toast. Yeah. So it's been a really interesting lesson of like, oh, the important things are really important. And some of these things aren't quite as important, but that's a big area of opportunity for us to say, if we can combine all these amazing things and all of the foundational core attributes that Charity Water is unbelievable at, and add in maybe a little bit more kind of like data sophistication to a degree, then it's, I think sky's the limit. Yeah, absolutely. So being on the on the uh, head, heading up the consumer mass, seeing a lot of a lot of donors, obviously. What what are your thoughts, or what do you how are you thinking about sort of like where the direction the economy is heading? Uh, are you seeing anything kind of play out in the data today? Uh, does it keep you up at night? Like what are, what are your your <laughs> thoughts uh, around sort of you know what's happening at the macro level and yeah. how it, it potentially can impact your you know your donors under a thousand dollars? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I wish I had like a more definitive answer. Um, it is definitely showing up and it's in two ways. One, you know, we have an offboarding survey when everyone cancels their monthly donation, we ask kind of why and we've specifically added was it like a macroeconomic factor or COVID or something like that. Because people will always say it's financial. Like yeah. eighty to ninety percent of the people say, oh it's financial. Right. It's not super helpful. Yeah. So we're trying to get a level deeper and we are seeing a a big time rise of people citing inflation or macroeconomic factors. And then where it's showing up probably even more so that's detrimental to our business is people choosing to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly donation. Oh, interesting. So like our overall donor acquisition is okay. Our overall conversion rates are kind of okay. But way more people than we had predicted or expected are saying, I'm just going to give once now and not actually make a monthly donation than we've previously seen. And that, for us, we're a very monthly donor-led focused organization, all of yeah. our modeling, all of our projections, all of our goals are focused on monthly donors. And so that's where we've seen this continued trend and where it shows up more and where it's it's more damaging to our business. So we yeah. have to figure out how to kind of adjust if that's the way that it's going to be. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So you mentioned that like you're, you lead with like recurring, right? Like that's like your first ask you're trying, when, you're, yep. when you're converting. Once someone gives once, do you have any sort of metrics around like the likelihood of them converting to a recurring donor? And is it, yeah, I'll, actually I'll start there. Yes, it's not very high. Uh, yeah, so what we do know is is about 40 to 50% of people over the past five years who made a one-time gift and then joined our monthly giving program do so within 30 days. Oh, wow. So it's, it's a very kind of short conversion window, and then it's pretty flat and goes for a long time. People give once and then three years later just pop back up and become a monthly donor. So that timeline's too long to like optimize within, and there's so many other variables going on, and so we've kind of built these new pathways to try to move people from one time to spring and it's just now kind of getting into market but we're really focusing on that 30-day window to say can can we speed up that process or get get more of those folks because we do know if you start as a one-time donor and then you give monthly you give about 40 percent more oh wow right it's a little like try before you buy kind of like I, i gave you a donation i like what i saw hey i'll make a bigger commitment and that's not unique to us. Blackbaud did a study a few years ago around sustainers and found the same thing. People who give one time first and then join are more likely to give more uh, in aggregate. But it's such a small number uh, for us. Most people join right away. Right, yeah. So we're trying to figure out, is this a real big opportunity or just a small opportunity? And so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. What, what drives like the, for, for like the kind of the top of the funnel uh, acquisition, like what, what drives 
that traffic? Is it is it paid? Is it organic? Is it something else? Like, do you guys have a, do you feel like you have a good handle on sort of like what's driving the activity at the top of the funnel? Yeah, it's two things. It's it's brand and paid. Okay, that's it. You know, we have a really strong brand that that a lot of people. Not as many people as I wish do, but it's still pretty well known. Yeah. Got a lot of great brand partners who carry a lot of our brand for us. Uh, our founder, Scott, has a book. He speaks. That carries a lot. So we get a lot about of brand, uh, kind of direct traffic, organic traffic that's brand related. We don't have a lot of non-brand related organic traffic. And then paid. You know, paid has, has led about 60 to 65% of our monthly donor acquisitions oh, over wow. the past few years. So like really, really. And when I say paid, I mean paid social. Yeah. It's like Google. And Facebook. And Facebook. That's Interesting. it. And so that was a real liability, actually. You know, it's with it, with yeah, with, with like the the changes happening, the privacy changes. We got smoke. Did really? Yeah. Okay. Cost of acquisition basically doubled overnight, and then continued to rise to even be three, four times what it was. And so same thing. When it's going well, the model's great. Yeah. It's very predictable. Tons of scale. It's been amazing. And then basically, yeah, overnight, like the carpet was pulled out from under us, and because it was working so well, we maybe didn't spend as much time as we could to like diversify or explore other channels because it was just so efficient. It was every dollar you put in, you knew right. you were getting out. Right, and like why would we do anything else? Yeah. yeah. And But then it dried up so quick, we weren't in a great position to like shift funding. And so that's what this year's really been about is diversifying off the Facebook and Google hamster wheel. Yeah. And so piloting podcast ads, live events, we're getting into TV. We're putting out a lot of these little bets to try to see like not just what can work, because we're at a, a size and scale. If something works, that's fine. But can it scale? Right. It, it, it sounds, I don't know if it's braggadocious, but like getting pockets of 50 donors or 10 donors here, you can't do that enough times yeah. to keep the program going. Right. We have to have something that has some real scale behind it. Otherwise, it's not a good use of our resources. Yeah. So we've done seven pilots. We have two more. And hopefully one or two of those shows promise. And then moving forward, we can invest more in them. So do you think you'll completely divest from like Facebook and Google or just finding new ways to optimize it? Yeah, Facebook potentially. I mean, we are seeing like really bad performance. Yeah, we're hearing that and, all and we've iterated and tested and new creative and new audience. Like we're doing all the right things. And so more of it will probably be, we'll shift funding to be a little bit more lead generation focused, like move it up the, the funnel yeah, or yeah. down the mountain or whatever, and still have a presence and or maybe just go hyper efficient, just forget scale, let's just target cost of acquisition and we won't spend above it and it just won't scale. YouTube's been okay, YouTube's huh. been way better for us. And then hopefully some of these other, other avenues can kind of replace that. Um, otherwise, yeah, we're gonna have to keep finding something to replace that part of our growth. Yeah. Well, it sounds, uh, sounds challenging, but it sounds like you're also up for the challenge. So, uh, I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> it's it's on, super fun. It's, like a, it's all compounding too, right? It's like on top of like all these changes, then you got the macro economy uh, and things happening. So you've got, uh, you've got some, some, uh, some fun times ahead of you. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do. All right. We got, we're going to, I'm going to ask you some uh, quick, quick fire questions and you can answer however you want. Just okay. know, though, I might be judging a little bit inside, depending on how you it's answer. It's fair. I would expect nothing less. <laughs> All right. So we'll start, we'll start easy. Digital reading or actual book? Actual book. Actual book. What, do you have like a book that comes to mind? That's uh, I'm reading a book called Hunt, Gather, Parent. Hunt, um, Gather, Parent. Yeah. It's an NPR author who embedded themselves in different ancient cultures to see how they raise kids. Interesting. It's recommended by our founder, Scott, and it's really good. Do you have, do you have kids? I have one. You have one. Okay. Yeah. Four-year-old. Four-year-old. Four year okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Pizza or salad? Is that even a question? <laughs> I mean, pizza. 
So so far, just just uh, you, like we've had most people say salad. Liars. Yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> um, would you, if you had to choose where you were gonna live the rest of your life, would it be the beach or the mountains? Mountains. Football or football? <laughs> football. <laughs> uh, dodge, do, dogs or cats? Dogs. Not. Nah, that's even more of a no-brainer than the I, pizza question. I literally. I have to be careful what I say because I don't know how, how much someone loves cats. Right, that's fair. But I don't like them. I have a very like, if I see a cat, like <laughs> I get bad thoughts. Yeah, same, <laughs> um, same. Funnel cake or cheesecake? Funnel. And then this one is a slam dunk, but the Goonies or Sandlot? Sandlot. <laughs> yeah. Sandlot. Uh, the only person that said Goonies. Can you guess? Tim Couturier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How'd you know that? I mean, he's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta know. Him. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Brady, so much for uh, stopping thanks by. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. It. Welcome back to Nonstop Nonprofit. Before our fundraise sponsored break, Shannon was about to give us the inside scoop on the misconceptions about peer-to-peer fundraising. Listen in to hear Shannon's ideas for incorporating peer-to-peer into special events and holiday fundraising. Plus, why you should be leveraging peer-to-peer to make the most impact. You know, I think there's, you know, when, you, when you're having like broader conversations with just organizations, nonprofits, yeah, one of the one of the common objections you hear is, oh, like, no, our, our donor base, you know, doesn't do peer to peer. Like, they wouldn't be activated to to fundraise and ask people. You know, they're not like professional fundraisers, trained professionals, whatever the excuses might be. But if you take a step back and look at like, what is the number one reason why people give to charity in the first place? You know, like a lot of people like overthink it. It's the reason why people give is because someone asked them to give. Like that's like it's that simple. And so when you think about you know building out a peer to peer program essentially what you're doing is you're creating this environment, this network of people to, you know, turn one fundraiser into five, five fundraisers into 10 and so forth. And so I think it's one of those tools that like every fundraiser needs to have in their tool belt. It's not a fundraising program that you run, you know, 365 days a year. It's usually seasonal around giving days, around camp, certain types of campaigns. I strongly believe that it's, it is a tool that every fundraiser needs in their tool belt because it's such a pivotal way to, to grow the donor base and to, you know, sustain fundraising efforts throughout busier seasons of, of fundraising. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, as a fundraiser, I know it, it is hard to ask for money, but the hardest thing is like, you just, you have to ask. And, you know, a lot of folks are willing and want to, to help out. And, you know, kind of as part of that, I think another interesting thing that um, I'm seeing and have seen a lot of nonprofits ask about is, you know, beyond like giving days is kind of incorporating DIY peer-to-peer fundraising into kind of special personal events and holidays. You know, I think one of the organizations that we work with, you know, after someone signs up for an email or takes an advocacy action, they ask them to pledge their birthday to raise Mm -hmm. money for this organization. And at that point, you know, it's a small ask to just, you know, yeah, my birthday is in February, you know, I support this organization, but then, you know, leading up to it, it gives them kind of this toolkit to build a DIY fundraising campaign to support the organization. So that's another way to incorporate, you know, peer to peer into your overall, you know, fundraising and, and marketing programs, you know, so for things like birthdays, or, you know, if there's kind of holidays coming up, you know, particularly for an organization working on, you know, like civil rights or something like that, using those days to encourage folks to to build their personal campaigns, not to, it doesn't need to be a primary push of like fundraising, but often those 
become a fundraiser is hidden under those, you know, like other right. ways to give, you know, like below the fold. But by just like offering it kind of in those normal communications, you know, we're finding folks are willing to do DIY fundraisers for important events, ask their friends. One of the the cool things with the, you know, springboard and fundraise platform is being able to make it easy. And so that includes, you know, being able to easily create Facebook fundraisers, you know, so if I'm reading a newsletter, and it's like, hey, would you be interested in, you know, doing a Facebook fundraiser, and it's kind of all set up, and it's already there. Whereas I may not know about it if it wasn't kind of promoted, you know, more often, right? So also seeing that incorporated more. And yeah, and when, and when we talk about optimizing or allowing technology to really optimizing the fundraising outcome, you know, specifically with Facebook, uh, what what our data shows is when an individual peer to peer fundraiser connects their page to Facebook, they see an immediate two hundred dollar increase in their overall fundraising goal. Right, so it's an, an extra two hundred bucks for every individual campaign just by connecting your page to to Facebook. And you know, really the, the big driver for that is it you tap into Facebook's notification ecosystem, which your friends and your network, you know, gets notified that you're raising for for a particular cause. And so things like that. And I think that as we go into 23 and as as we have these headwinds in front of us, I think that like if you if we look back on sort of just the the recessions that in the, in the past, the most recent, the Great Recession in 2008, you know, like I think it's so important for nonprofits to understand that uh, giving does not follow the the public market, specifically the S and P. Right when we when we when we see in two thousand eight, the, the S and P falls forty percent, but giving only fell seven percent. It's because people are still inspired and motivated to give because it's such an emotional uh, aspect of you know we're, we're giving with emotion, not logic, right? So uh, we saw this in the pandemic, and I think we're going to see this in twenty three. I think that giving will be recession resilient if nonprofits continue to focus on their fundraising programs. And I think that peer-to-peer is such a important strategy going into 23 uh, as you think about your your donor base and as you understand the potential threats to you know, overall fundraising in general. It's generally going to be individuals who are highly invested in the markets who maybe don't have as much liquidity because, because of that. And so I think peer-to-peer is just such a great way to balance sort of your fundraising programs going in, into 23. I'd be curious, I know that you guys work with you know large large enterprise nonprofits. Is it hard to get them to move the needle on on peer to peer? Do you see them wanting to prioritize it? Love to hear your kind of thoughts around how the enterprise nonprofit is thinking of peer to peer. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, I've seen in the past just some hesitancy to build peer to peer programs. You know, previously it's been very labor intensive for nonprofits to, you know, build campaigns, kind of promote it to fundraisers, you know, really, really cultivate. And I'm not saying that there isn't any work, you know, moving forward, but there has been a little bit of a shift to open it up and really kind of give the tools to to their supporters and their fundraisers. But it's funny that it's smaller organizations that have actually been, you know, looking to incorporate peer to peer more than larger organizations, because they're looking at it, you know, how do we make sure that we're really doing everything possible to capitalize on, you know, the peer to peer program. But we have seen actually a number of larger organizations kind of rethink their peer to peer to make it easier for folks to just create pages, you know, on their own and let them run with it, you know, to promote it on social media and kind of let them run with it. 
as well as incorporated into larger, you know, giving days or giving campaign periods, you know, understanding that it can be a really powerful tool, not only to raise money, but also to engage their existing supporters, you know, in particular, as we're looking at kind of recession and uncertainty, it's a great way to retain your best supporters as well, you know, in kind of building these communities. And, you know, I know that just personally, like the organizations that I've fundraised for, you know, like I feel the kind of closest connection to because I know that I've already like asked my friends and like, I'm invested in making sure that, you know, the organization is doing good work because I vouched for them. My friends have come on board because of that. And I want to, you know, be able to continue to support them in different ways, even though I may not be able to, you know, write a check right now. So it's a also a great way to keep donors and kind of, you know, instead of just asking them for the same amount every year, like, would you consider doing something different, like pledging your birthday and things like that? Absolutely. And something, you know, interesting thing that we see is uh, in in our data is fundraisers. If if an individual has fundraised, they're four times more likely to become a recurring donor or sustaining donor. Right. And so as we think about retaining donors and nurturing donors, actually inviting them to fundraise on your behalf is a really solid way to actually retain and to keep them engaged uh, because they're more bought in. Just like you said, like in, in your own case, when you fundraise for an organization, you feel a little bit more bought in than, than when just making a single donation. And so I think that that's an important aspect. I know um, in your guys', uh, you guys have shared some insight around monthly donors. I think it are sustaining monthly donors. How they give 400% more to charity. Can you unpack that a little bit? Because I do think peer-to-peer fundraising is, is actually a really great way to attract new recurring donors. And so it has this like snowball effect. And so just kind of curious if you could unpack what you what you guys are seeing in your data around that that phenomenal uh, growth. Yeah, I mean, I think it is providing an easy way to like give a smaller amount more spread out over time, you know, might seem like initially like a smaller investment to me if I'm giving $5 as you know, over 12 months than over like 60, $60 now. But what that really does is we see once folks sign up and a lot of times, whether it's through credit card or, you know, giving through ACH and, you know, even these other, you know, PayPal, Apple Pay, we're seeing folks that, you know, remain sustaining donors for years and even decades. And this, it's not that, you know, folks are are forgetting that they're giving, but it's, a, you know, it's an ongoing relationship that is less, just has a lower burden of entry, basically, you know, if you're giving, you know, $5 a month, you know, and I think we work with a lot of public media stations. And obviously, you know, they've really shifted to focusing on sustaining giving. And that includes, you know, monthly, but also offering other, you know, sustaining options, whether it's like quarterly or annually, but just having this opt-in process of, you know, being able to give and continue to to give and support your organization just creates a, a much longer relationship. And I think it's also folks are are recognizing, you know, of course, how important these donors are and making them feel bought into like a sense of community and that you're a member or you're a guardian or kind of, you know, legacy supporter or something like that. And I really, I love seeing 
as part of that, like organizations that, you know, are reaching out to monthly and, you know, recognizing you, even if it's just like a plain text email that says, hey, you're a monthly donor, just giving you the inside scoop, like that kind of cultivation just really makes my heart smile. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I also really love, you know, folks that are, are recognizing it. It used to be one of my pet peeves that in public media that they'd always ask me to become a monthly donor. And I'm like, I'm already a monthly donor. Like, what do I get for that? You know, offering kind of, you know, pledge free streaming and things like that, I think are, are really cool. And so just having that a part of, you know, peer to peer, I think is also both a great opportunity to kind of get that, you know, $5 a month and have someone kind of bought into an organization kind of, and then continuing that cultivation with someone at that level so that you're really growing your support, you know, so by not offering just that recurring giving, you know, you're kind of really missing out both on those relationships and revenue. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That was, uh, that was super insightful. Uh, one more question before we wrap it up. For any of the Springboard customers that are listening, uh, Shannon, what would be the best way for them to activate this new integration and partnership that we have? Uh, what, what's the best way for them to approach that? Sure. On our website, you know, there's a number of ways to sign up. But of course, anyone who's an existing Springboard customer, um, you know, they have great project managers that they know personally. And so reaching out to them, they're interested in peer to peer, you know, happy to kind of help show them, you know, what's a, what's available um, and how to get them started. You know, everyone that we've, we've talked to is really excited about it, you know, both because it's, it's really easy to create the campaigns, you know, that are branded. I know, a lot of organizations have been kind of frustrated with like piecemeal peer-to-peer -peer platforms that either like aren't integrated in their CRM or don't look like their website, things like that. So it's just a really great offering to have this as part of their, you know, bigger overall fundraising marketing platform. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us today. We at Fundraiser are very excited to be partnering alongside you all. And we're excited to uh, go into 23 and really help our uh, mutual customers thrive and, and raise as much money as possible for their important causes. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Fundraise, nonprofit fundraising software built by nonprofit people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, find me on LinkedIn or text me at 562-242-8160. And don't forget to get your next episode the second it hits the internets. Go to nonstopnonprofitpodcast.com and sign up for email notifications today. See you next time.